0: are going to bring around, you know, these billions of souls coming into the kingdom, one by one, one by one, and how will they come unless they've been told, unless you tell, unless you share your testimony, and Billy share their testimony on Sunday, and we're going to have somebody else share their testimony this Sunday, six minutes, folks, <laughs> get down to six minutes, six minutes, talk. it's about point one, talk about life before Jesus, Number two, how did God get your attention? How number three, how did He, and how and when did He change you? I talked about having two birthdays. Listen, we have two births, but we only suffer one death. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that absolutely amazing? We only we have two births, but suffer one death. I just wish that would just sink in. And then your life since Jesus took control, there should be a difference. There should be a radical, radical difference. But here we are in chapter 5. And I'm going to tell you the exact date. The exact date that this happened on. It's October the 11th of 539 BC. Work that one out. I did. It's October the 11th. 539 B.C. How do we know this? Because it's the night before. This great city that Nebuchadnezzar built that was impregnable. Absolutely impregnable. They said that you could race chariots around the walls. They were that thick. And they had put their store in this this great city, never falling. Do you know, there was not one stone left. (laughs) In, the, in, in where Babylon is, which is just outside, about 50 miles outside Baghdad, there is not one stone remains of the, of that city. That huge, great city that was a wonder of the world. Not one thing. And here we have the night before, where Darius the the, the means, This is the the whole thing of the, the chest on, on the of silver on the the statue, the chest of silver on the chest of arms. And it's basically speaking about the Medes and the Persians, that they are about to overthrow the head of gold, which is Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. So the Medes and the Persians are about to come on, and they reign from 539 BC, right the way down to 332 BC. And you know, just like Israel, Babylon was told, by it was prophesied by Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and then finally Daniel, that Babylon would fall but just like Israel was now divided into two kingdoms before Jeremiah Jeremiah prophesied about the falling of the the walls of Jerusalem but Nebuchadnezzar uh, that that we were seeing Israel divided into two, the north had ten tribes out of the twelve and they were warned by Elijah and Elisha that the Assyrians would rise up and overthrow them in the north we see there on the south, which is Nebuchadnezzar, this is Jerusalem, where the two tribes out of twelve were there. And they were warned by Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then finally they were warned by Jer- uh, Ezekiel. Um, and basically, I mean, Heidi and I are, are having an amassed revelation about Jeremiah at this time, when the walls of Jerusalem fell to Nebuchadnezzar. Absolutely. We're listening to some teaching that will blow your It will prove beyond doubt that Ron Wyatt was absolutely true to his word. He found the Ark of Covenant. It is still buried underneath but outside Jerusalem. It was buried just below where Jesus Christ was crucified. And the prophetic significance of Passover Oh my word, we've got to get a revelation of this church. We've got to get a revelation of how the demonic has moved in. Into our churches. And at least two or three times a year, we celebrate something that's even. Something that's abhorrent to God. And we have got to get a grip. We have got to say, enough is enough. I've had to repent. I and I spent this week repenting before the Lord. Lord, I'm so sorry about Christmas. How we absolutely follow something that is so occult and so demonic. Easter. It's named after a goddess. There's nothing to do. Nothing to do with the Passover. Nothing. And that we are going to shout that out from the rooftops. And it will make us in churches unpopular. Because you won't hear this from many churches. We're going to celebrate Passover. We're going to celebrate the true date of Jesus coming on this earth, not Christmas. It's got nothing to do with the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. So have nothing to do with this. That's what the Bible says. Have nothing to do with it. Treat it as a holiday. It's. I, I can't. I'm, I'm serious. There is nothing Christ-like in Christmas. Nothing. And as time goes on, I'm going to prove it to you. But I don't want to move on. The fact is that just like people like Isaiah and Jeremiah warned about the fall of Jerusalem and the, and the, the southern kingdom. Folks, so there are people, there are prophets now saying that judgment is coming on this earth. People that we know and that we trust say there is are judgment coming on the earth. There are people like Sadhu, there are people like Neville Johnson, there's people like Bobby Connor, and there's people like Terry Bennett, amongst just a few, say that there's judgment coming on. And there's judgment. Unless this nation turns around, there's judgment coming on. <coughs> but here we are. How many folk have listened to the fact that there are two blood moons? On the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles on 2014. How many people have heard that there's another two blood moons in 2015? Feast of Passover, Feast of Tabernacle. And you can go right the way back, back to 67, 68, 48, 49, two blood moons and a total eclipse. Listen, folks, I've done the teaching on that. And yet, how much of the church has heard this Because doesn't it say that everything is a micro? Is a dress rehearsal? So the coming of the Lord, Passover. Every time the Jews did Passover, it was a dress rehearsal to the fullness of Jesus fulfilling Passover as the Passover lamb, the perfect lamb. And one day, Heinrich and I will do some teaching on that. It will blow your socks off because it's blown my mind. It's blown, it's blown me. I, I, done, I'm I'm rolled over. I'm absolutely undone by this. This whole revelation about what it's about. But you know, we've got to start listening. We've got to start listening. We do in this place. We do at Butchfire. We are listening and we are observing the signals that God has placed in his stars and on his planets. We know that something's up. Listen, there is going to be war breaking out in Israel without a shadow of a doubt. There will be war. We have got to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That the war will be short, that the casualties will be minimal. And we've got to start doing this. But folks, there are judgment coming on the earth. That's what the solar eclipse is all about. It's judgment of man. But every time this is broken out, there's judgment on Israel, there's judgment on the world, there's another thing broken out. 48. What broke out in this world like never seen before? Healing. Healing. Like William Branham, A. Allen, and Catherine Coole. And then in 67, 68, what broke out? The charismatic movement. What's going to break out now, 2014, 2015? I'll tell you, the world's biggest revival is about to come on a body of people like you and me. And this is what it's about. But are we ready? Are we ready? And in chapter 5 of Daniel, we see that this is 70 years after Nebuchadnezzar had taken Jerusalem. Daniel was an old man now. King Belshazzar is on the throne. And this is 18 years after Nebuchadnezzar. He was not, as you read in the Bible, the son of Nebuchadnezzar. He was the grandson. Because when you look in the original language, it says, ancestor. Ancestor. And I'm going to prove how the Bible, once again, people said this is impossible. There is no mention of these names anywhere, apart from the Bible. People said it can't be right, it can't be true. But Nebuchadnezzar was the grandfather of Belshazzar. You see, Belshazzar's father had already made peace with Darius 18 months earlier. 18 months earlier he went along knowing that the kingdom was about to fall. And he made peace with Darius. Belshazzar's father was just like his grandfather. He gave esteem to the Most High God. He was completely and born again. Com- completely born again. And I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. Because the Bible is perfect. The Bible is absolutely God's word. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Church need to wake he up to that. All Scripture is God-breathed. You can't ignore one part of Scripture. But Daniel is an end time book. It's an end time book for us, because listen, folks. Here it is. Archaeologists in 1881 found what they now call I, and I'm going to really trash the pronunciation the Nebuchadnezzar cylinder. They found this cylinder, and on this cylinder, 1881, they found the cylinder. It's the only thing that ever spoke about these three kings: Nebuchadnezzar, his son, and then Belshazzar. And on the cylinder, do you know what it's about? It's the story of Nebuchadnezzar saying to his son, Follow the ways of the Most High God. And then he picks it up in the cylinder it has got all the pictures on it. And he says to his son, Follow the ways of the Most High God. And it says, the actual thing says, May my son not worship the false gods, but the one and only true God of my Father and mine. Folks, and we see that Belshezar has completely fallen away. Completely fallen away of his father and also his grandfather. Folks, we've got such a responsibility as parents. And those that have got children, those that they're going to have got children, we have got such a responsibility to bring them up in way the ways of the it should be stable, as it says in the Bible, on our foreheads. It should be stable on our foreheads. And we shouldn't go one day without speaking about the Lord to our kids. Mm. And woe the day, listen, woe the day that we say to our kids, okay, you don't want to go to church on Sunday. When you get to 16, you can make up your own mind. Because I'll tell you exactly what will happen. I don't want to go to church. And they'll be lost to the world. They'll be lost to the world. I'll guarantee it. There are a few kids that say, or their parents say, oh, you don't have to go to church when you're old enough to make up your own life. No, you're under my roof. This is the house of God. You will come together as a family, and we will worship the Most High God. And when you go, an adult, and you've left, then you decide the path that you want to lead. But until that point, I'm going to make it absolutely almost impossible for you to leave the ways of the Lord. Why? How I live my life. How Heidi lives her life. This is the example. This is the only Bible that our kids will ever read, mostly. So, just like here, we have Belshazzar has gone away from Nebuchadnezzar and his father. So we see here in chapter five, in 540 BC, Babylon is under threat from the Medes and Persians, and we see this predicted in Isaiah. In Isaiah, back in 712 BC, predicting the very king, called Cyrus, that would allow the walls of Jerusalem to be built. Isaiah 44, verse 28, it says, Who says to Cyrus, he is my shepherd, he shall perform my pleasures, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. That was predicted in 712 12 B.C. Incredible. Incredible. The Bible is perfect. Mm-hmm. How can someone like Isaiah even name the king before it's even happened? Because we've got a God up there that knows everything. He is, be- he, is be- he is the beginning and the end. He is completely in time. Time, to him doesn't stand still. And just before the fateful night, October 11, 539 BC, Belshazzar's father, and his name, I'm going to completely mess it up, Narbarius, 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 meets with Darius and makes a treaty and surrenders to him and leaves his son to his own fate. That is history, folks. And he advises his son to surrender to Darius. So, you know, so, look, son. I've done it, I've made a peace treaty with Darius, I suggest you do the same. Now his father was a very religious man, not religious in the, in the way that we know, he was a devout Christian, as we would know, he loved the God of the Most High, he loved the God of Nebuchadnezzar, which was the God of the Most High, and he followed him all the days of his life, but right up to this point, 18 years later, and here we see Belshazzar has going completely away from of the ways of God, but he's also got now Judgment 4 Daniel is almost forgotten. He's insignificant. There is no mention of him. He is now an old man. And they don't even know where he's living in Babylon. They have got no clue. He is not a player as he was for, for Belshazzar's uh, grandfather and probably his father. But I'll tell you, Daniel was about to come to the fore again completely coming to the fore. But listen, folks. Our country has gone away from the Lord. We are not a Christian nation. We are not a Christian nation. And when a nation falls away from God, judgment comes. It is better to a nation never to have have known God than to have known Him and fallen away. And just like, just like here we are in Daniel five. God will use other nations to bring judgment on this on this earth, on this nation. God will use other the only, the only other way institutions or political setups or or whatever you want will bring judgment on the UK. Isn't it? Because you can go right the way through the Bible and just look at all the strife that Israel got itself into. Why? Because they fell away from the God of the Most High. They completely fell away. Everywhere in history, and what did God do? Use another nation to bring them back, just as He used Hitler and the Nazi Party and what they did in the concentration camps to establish Israel back to its lands. God sent out fishermen. 1885, when uh, that guy uh, Theodore Herzl wrote the book calling the Jews back to the nation, they ignored it. Only a remnant of people actually heard that call and responded and went back to Israel. So what did God do? As the Bible says, he sent out the Hunters. He sent out the Nazis, and he drove them back. drove them back to Dalai. Folks, we're in a lot of trouble at the moment as a nation. We're in a lot of trouble. We don't need to switch on this false news from the BBC (laughs) that we read or hear day after day after day. There's enough information out there. There's a big fall coming But I know that we are the answer. We, in this place, are the answer. Mm. Are the answer. And that's how I was sat in a cold, um, static caravan. Are you you complaining? No, I'm not. (laughs) These last four days, the Lord really spoke to me this. We've got to pray and we've got to to see We have got to pray and we have got to to see for this nation. Because God... Is going to bring judgment. Unless there is a body of people. God really spoke to me this. In Genesis 18, verse 32 and 33. He said, then he said, let not the Lord be angry. He's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. He's trying to find 50 righteous mm-hmm. people. Couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, Lord, what about 20? Couldn't find them. And then he said, let not the Lord is Abraham. Let not the Lord be angry. And I'll speak not once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. This is amazing. You can change God's mind. Yes. And he said, I will not destroy the their sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham and Abraham returned back to his place. But we know that he couldn't find ten. He could only find four. Four righteous people. Which was, well, you yeah, know, don't go into and Lord, I'm just saying, Lord, for your sake, in this place tonight, please don't let the judgment fall on the United Kingdom, because we're here. Turn our nation back to your heart, Father, that we will be known as a God-fearing nation. Yes, Lord. Beside Israel. And Lord, let me just pray that right here, right there. Yes. Lord, we just pray that. Let not your judgments fall upon this nation. Because, Father, we're here. We're here. We'll stand in the gap, Father. We'll stand in the gap, but Father, let your spirit flow through us and let that river of revival come from us tonight. See, God is giving a (coughs) warning to the Western nations. If you just have a look at what's happening in America at this time, judgment's coming. Hurricane after tornado. After tornado after tornado are battling the shores of America. Judgment's coming down. What is going to be shaken will be shaken. And do you know what? It's going to come down on the church. God will have his judgment in the church. And that's about to happen in Sheffield. See, God, we, sorry Lord, but we made church programs, full of programs, full to, to do whatever for other people. You know, the thing that I can't stand anymore, I cannot stand it, is this matchdating.com that's happening in our churches. Mm-hmm. You don't think the God of the Most High can bring you a husband or a wife. So don't go to a church because it's full of young people. Go where the Spirit is. Because we've become like matchdating.com in our churches to our young people. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of this liberal stance that we have in our churches. It's alright to do this. It's alright to do that. And we have become 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 4 because that is not speaking to heathen people. That's speaking to the church. But know this that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despised of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than the lovers of God, having a form of Godness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with these people. God, that is not, listen folks, that is not God speaking to the people on the street. That's God speaking to his church. The people on the street don't know how to forgive. They've never been taught. They don't know how to be lovers of God. They've never been shown. It's speaking to a church. Have nothing to do with these. You go where the Spirit of God is. You move when the Spirit of God is moving. Anyway, verse 1. Belshazzar the king had made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of a thousand. Here we have Belshazzar feasting whilst whilst Darius has his army outside the gates of Babylon. And here he is, feasting. And there's Darius outside, planning an attack. Belshazzar was more confident, was so confident, that the walls of Babylon wouldn't fall, that he held a feast for everybody. And he almost was like laughing at Darius. Darius, you're there, but you can't come in. You're never going to get in. And do you know what? We're just like that in church today. We're carrying on as if nothing is happening. We're carrying on with our daily lives as, our, as, as just as just another day, and we're not recognizing what God is doing in this time. And most will miss this of God. But God is such a redemptive God, such a redemptive God, that we will literally compel people through the genesis. Of what is happening in this place to come back to the Lord. See, Matthew 24, verse 29 and 31, the coming of the Son of Man, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Folks, we've just gone through that. The first blood red moon. The sun darkened. My friend sent me a picture in the United States as it happened. That's one of the only places there in a bit of Africa that you can see it. But he said when he took this photograph quarter past, quarter to one in the morning he said outside it was pitch black like he'd never seen it. So he's he's now living out. The days of the sun will be dark and the moon shall not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. The power of the heavens will be shaken. There is a shaking in the heavens like we've never seen before. Right as we are here tonight there is a shaking. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven. First What's happening in constellations? What is happening in constellations? What are we reading by the planets? We're not looking at a, we're looking at astronomy, not ast- astrology, not astronomy. No, other way around. around. Astronomy, <laughs> not astrology. We're not trying to say astrology. Astrology is all about me. Astronomy is all about God. <clears throat> and yet, the Church who lost the power of doing it. Have a look. There's a bit of. Have a look at what it's saying in the stars. It's very, very interesting. Not by reading horoscopes, just clarify. No, I'm talking about no I know, but just... Right, I so don't. have a look, have a look on the internet. Not, at, you know, not, as Heidi says, astro- astrology, but astronomy. Have a look at the constellation and look what's there. Look what planets are with themselves. God is about to do something. And he's about to pour his spirit and all flesh. Amen. I love this. And then all the tribes of the earth will born. And they will see the Son of Man coming down, the clouds of heaven, with power and great glory. And he will send his angel with a great sound of the trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the earth to the other. That's about to happen. It's about to happen. It will happen in your, yours and my lifetime. It's going to happen, I think, in the next ten years. We haven't got that long, folks. Things are coming to a head. For as in the days of Noah, it says... in in Matthew 24, verse 37. As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. He's talking to the church. The church is going to be swept up for this. Swept up if we're not careful. And later on in 24, 44, it says, Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. It doesn't say that we're not to know the year. It doesn't even say that we're not to know the month. It just says that we're not to know the day or the hour. Mm-hmm. Folks, we can have a look, this God, He hides His secrets for His, for those that love Him, to find it. The truth in it. And if we're not recognizing what's happening out there, up there, then we're missing the signals that God is sending out. And how do you explain Matthew 25? The five foolish and the five wise, they're all born again. They're all born again. That's what it means about this one about virgins. They are born again. They are born again and full of the Spirit. Then the kingdom of heaven will be likened to ten virgins who took up their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. There is going to be a wedding, folks. There is going to be a wedding. And there will be a wedding feast. And we are invited to it. In fact, we are the main attraction of that wedding. (laughs) We're the main attraction. They're going to be playing the music. And we're going to be married to the Lord of Lords. And the Prince of Princes and the King of Kings. We're his bride. We're the apple of his eye. We're the apple of his eye. And there will be a wedding now the five of them were wise, and the five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took the oil of their vessels and with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all had that in common, that the bridegroom was delayed. Folks, this should have happened a long time ago. But it couldn't do. Why? Because it were not enough saved. God can't have his wedding Until the bride comes into its fullness. It has to be without spot And at midnight the cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming, is coming. This is in the midnight hour that this cry went up and most people are asleep. Most people are slumbering in their beds. A cry will go up, Jesus is coming. And we're saying it, we've been saying Jesus is coming. For three, four years now, Jesus is coming. And we're crying out. We're listening to that cry in the midnight hour, whilst all the rest of the church was sleeping. We're doing it. Behold, the bright groom is coming. Go out to meet it. Then all those birds arose and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil for your lamps, for our lamps are going out. The wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. Folks, there is going to be a time when it's too late. They're going to miss the bride. They're going to miss the feast. They're going to miss it. They're going to miss this call that God is having. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, doesn't the Bible say, may the bride make herself ready? The bride prepares herself. Who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut the oil. The oil is our hope. The oil is of preparation. The oil of watchfulness. The oil of seeing and recognizing the times and the seasons of the year. The oil of the overcomer. The oil of truth. And the oil of no more delay. This is what is us down. And when we speak there are many things that the world is going after. The world will satisfy itself by worshipping other gods in this world by like money drugs, sex, work, power, pride. Instead of having God at the very center of our existence, the very center of our lives, the center of our villages, the center of our towns, the center of this city, and the center of this nation. But we need to shout from the very rooftops of this town, of this city, of this nation, that God is everything. And without Him, we have nothing. Because God will give, as we saw to Nebuchadnezzar, the power to do whatever he wants to do and he'll give it to whoever he chooses and what we're saying is Lord we're available we're here we've got our lamps trimmed down we're waiting Lord we're not going to fall asleep we're waiting for that last trumpet call the trumpet that sounds the coming of the bridegroom and I'll tell you what we've swapped in our churches we've swapped the truth for being popular churches are out there this is how the Lord showed me you know Give us just the nice bits. We want those. Don't give us the gory bits. Don't give us the hard bits. Don't talk to us about judgment. Don't talk to us about this coming to the church. In fact, just go to the right bits. Just up a bit more. That's when you scratch really hard. <laughs> We're too busy about scratching each other's backs. Instead of, Instead of actually saying, Lord, we you want your spirit to fall on our flesh. The Lord start with us. Daniel 5, verse 2. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold, I remember that? I do. Gold and silver vessels, which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem. that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they bought the gold vessels they had taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold, silver, or bronze, of iron, wood, and stone. Hmm. Oh, oh. <laughs> the significance of that are incredible, and I'll come into it a little bit more. You see, in the word it says that these things were what? Consecrated. These vessels were consecrated for, the, for the, the things of God. and In other words, they have been set apart. Set apart and devoted, dedicated to a purpose of serving God in the temple. And here we have a man, a king, calling for all these vessels. And he basically is making common. He's degrading the very vessels that have been set apart for God's purposes. And then completely... Degraded Folks, we're doing that. We're making the very things of God common. Common. It says in Leviticus 22, 15, they shall not profane the holy offerings of the children of Israel which they offer to the Lord. Leviticus 22, verse 32, it says, they shall not profane his holy name, but I will be hallowed amongst the children of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. you know, folks, that word profane means common. In the Greek, it means vulgar. And vulgar means, if you look at vulgar, the word means to make current, popular, or common. So we have made things of God common. And I'll tell you where we've done it. The Sabbath. We are not treating a day for God's. We're treating a Sunday, which is meant to be our Sabbath, that it could be any day in the week that you say, this is up to you, Lord, that I'm setting apart from you, we have made our Sundays common in this land. It's just like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It is common. And God will not allow that. That is profane. That is vulgar. And we have made things of God so common. Just like Belshazzar here has made the very things of God, the vessels in the temple, common. And his prostitutes, his concubines, these people were drinking out the very vessels. And God says, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. And he's saying it now over our nation. Enough is enough. Enough's enough. You have two gay people getting married. In my church, enough is enough. You are calling things that I have set apart. I've called a man and a woman together to be together under my roof in marriage. I will not make this gay marriage common in my eyes. I'm telling you, Ezekiel 2, 22 verse 8, it says, You have despised my holy things and profaned made common by Sabbaths enough's enough Heidi and I realised we've repented we've said amongst all these many years that I work full time I do just came out of teaching I work full time and then I, I, I studied on a Saturday to get ready for the Sunday and then we came in here and we, we just did church where was my Sabbath as Michelle said last week and the week before if we don't take our Sabbaths and this is from the Bible he will catch up and he will say, now you take your Sabbaths. And usually, that's on a sick bed. Yeah. How I repent of not. You know, because God loves family. That's what our Sabbath is for. It's to make it special. So we have time as a family. We have time with God. Yes, reading the Bible and praying to God. But you don't have to spend the whole day. It's just relaxing. Relaxing in the presence of your family and the things that are important to you and also to God. If we don't do this, it's going to catch up with us. And I ain't going to lie in hospital bed for two months, so I don't my talk. But, folks, this nation has made the Sabbath common, and enough is enough. We have made Christmas common. Christmas is common. <laughs> we made Easter something so demonic. There is no other word for it. We call it Easter after a goddess of the Romans, Esther. But it comes from, as I've already explained, it comes from the very root of Babylon. It's tisnosh. It's, it's, it's demonic. we we I can't It's unforgivable. It's unforgivable in God's eyes that we've taken something so holy which is the death of Jesus. Sorry, I just wanted to say, why do you think they had to go into uh, captivity for 70 years? That's right. And it tells you in the very end chapter of right. Second Chronicles, it says this, The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the times of its des- desolation. It rested until the 70 years of were completed in fulfillment yep. of the word of the Lord, spoken by Jeremiah. Absolutely. Absolutely, bang And do you know the thing that we've made common? Is the very land that we harvest. There is no rest. After every seven years, what should happen? A land should be made fallow So you the going to should return back to the soil. Do you know, if you get a pound of spinach now, which is very high in, in vitamin uh, C... And vitamin D is very, very high in it. it was, we would have to feed what we fed in, in 1944, 45. That pound of spinach would now have to times that by 10 to get the same amount of vitamins out of a pound of spinach. We'd have to go to 10 pounds of spinach because we're not getting the nutrients in the ground. Overcultivated. We, we are completely overcultivated, yeah. and it's wrong. We're going to there, there are going to be some things happening to us now over the way that we harvest this is why we're starting to grow our own stuff we mm-hmm. to keep our own chickens and get our own eggs this is what we're doing look folks we're not here to benefit others we're here to benefit God that's our primary primary call is to bring glory to him and if we're not bringing glory to him then something's up by the way that we live our lives, that Jesus, just like Daniel, like uh, his three friends, you know, we've got to bring the word to God, but there's got to be no compromise. We've got to stand on the very word God, and even if they want to lock us up, be prepared to say, chuck away the key. We hear two Timothy one verse nine, of the most favourite verses in the Bible, and He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works but according to his own purpose. And grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God knew that you'd be sitting here tonight before you were even formed or even thought of. And he knows the days that are numbered in in your book up in heaven. I've been to heaven. I've been into into the, not not just in my imagination, giving a high five to the Lord as he sat in the strange room, but I've walked into a place in the library heading where I've seen an open book. There's a story about my life and it was just an amazing experience. There are things written in the book all about you. And do you know what? There's not one mention about your sin. Not one mention. Why? Because he took it. Yes. Jesus took it. There's no failure in God. No failure. No failure whatsoever. He paid the price. Set us free so that we can be free indeed and approach his throne of confidence. Verse 5 of Daniel 5. In the same hour, the things of man appeared. Man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed. Oh, he sobered up in a flash. And his thoughts troubled him. So the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees locked together against each other. The king cried out aloud to bring in the astrologers, the calvegians, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be made a third ruler of the kingdom. I well, that. What's coming? But whatever he saw, his hand handlight for the wall. Belshazzar, Belshazzar was in uncontrollable fear. And this is where we get the saying that they can't see the writing on the wall. This is where the saying comes from. Mm. But as his, the joints of his hips were loosened, folks, not to be base about it, but basically, he went to the toilet in his <laughs> I don't mean number one, I mean number two. He was so thriving that he went and had a poo in his pants. Aww. He was so frightened. Now, folks, I've been in very dicey situations. And there have been a couple of times when I sort like, no, that's sort of feeling, Where your knees want to buckle. Your tongue is stuck to the roof of your mouth. There is fear on you like you've never known. But this is another whole thing of fear. And the Lord came to me, and the Lord in the spirit of fear of the Lord. Oh, my word. I screamed like a baby. I screamed as if I was going to die. And, and that's, that's another whole story. But just like Nebuchadnezzar, this whole thing has been repeated <clears throat> in his grandson. But the difference between Belshazzar is that if Belshazzar had repented and turned back to God, God would have spared his kingdom and his reign without his shadow down. Why? Because he, he would have honored his father and his grandfather. There's destiny, incredible destiny, if your mother and your father or Daniel, Daniel family line, that you are the third generation of a Christian, second generation, there's incredible destiny in that. And instead what we see here is judgment coming through the meat of the Persians that will completely overtake Babylon and completely demolish it. Folks, in Great Britain, we have a choice. Children or revival. And it's our choice. It's our choice. It's our choice in this room. Which one do we want? I want revival. But revival is where God breathes into something that's dead. And boy, the church is dead. I'll be very, as I said last week, for 2,000 years, the church hasn't done the business. It hasn't worked. I would close every theology college in on this planet and start again I would close all that and one thing I would do is say go up the presence of God that's all the theology that you need is to know him if you know him you'll know his word he will download to you like he did with that little bitty uh, Maria Wobinetta when she said, Lord I can't go when the Lord appeared to her and said, I want you to go to the nations, I want you to, and she said in the, 19, in the 1880s she said, I can't do that, Lord I'm a woman she said, what's that got to do with it, I'm telling you you can do this, so can you I said, but I don't know the Bible, she said and then the Lord said, look at the wall and the words of the Bible appeared on the wall and in an instant she knew over two thirds of the Bible you don't think God can do that? If he wants to get it done, he will get it done. And he's going to get it done through you and me. I don't care how you feel. I don't see whether you see yourself as a Gideon, you know, doing something where it shouldn't have been done on the threshold floor of a wide press. God is going to have his way. And he's going to revive a body of people. And it's for us, it's for our families, it's for our children, it's for our city, and it's for our nation, and it's our choice. How much are we calling this a house of prayer? I know that I'm speaking to the few. I know some people can't make it because they're working. People are happy live in Leeds and he comes over on Friday night to be here with us. And Some of you come from Chesterfield. But on a Wednesday night, we're here for just one hour, pressing in to God, asking the Lord to you go, know, repenting upon this nation for, for what it's done, repenting on, on whatever the Lord shows us for that one hour. And yet we can't get a church full to do that for one hour. I think it's a shame. This place should be called a house of prayer. We want to pray every full before. We That's why we call it down for the Shabbat shol, So we can pray together. Be a family together. Seek God. and Seek the Spirit. See what he's saying. Isn't it saying the word that, that those who are called children of God are what? Led by the Spirit. It to be led by the Spirit. Why do you think God he plays here for 20 minutes and, and hardly seems a note? Because he's in the Spirit. She knows there's something there that the Lord wants to bring and she's bringing it out. And it was joy. It was truth. It was love. All these things were coming down and we just had to connect in it. My question is, in all of this, where was Daniel? Where was Daniel? They didn't even know where he was living. And just like us, just like us, not many of us, certainly not me, I'll speak for myself, I'm not, I'm not invited by many people outside this church to go to a party to even go speak in the church why? because it isn't popular I'm not popular the same way that if you're speaking the truth of God you will not be popular you will not be popular if you're speaking the truth I'm not about here winning popularity votes the only vote I want is his and all I want to do is bring glory to him that's all I want to do I can't heal a headache but he can and if he heals a headache he gets the glory not me there will be nothing resting on me of any of God's glory because he will not share it. Why? Because he's a jealous God. Most of us aren't invited to these parties happening in these big churches or little churches or whatever. But you know what? Chapter 5 is a clear warning that this is going to happen to our nation. One of the strongest powers ever known and God's about to bring judgment. And when this happens in our nation, guess what? They're going to be coming hammering on your door. Have on your door. You're the Christian Explain to us what's happening. You're the one that's going on about the end times. What's happening in this? What's happening in that? You're going to see a financial collapse in this country. You're going to see it in America. America cannot sustain the way that it's going. And there is going to be a move upon the dollar. Absolutely guaranteed. Listen, they might not want to know us now, but they're going to know us. Why? <laughs> because we'll have light. We'll have so much of the light. Then the light shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Matthew 13, verse 43. We're going to have light on us. And we're going to be the salt of this earth. And we're going to give an answer in season or out of season, whether it's popular or not. And what we've got to do when they are looking up, when we're giving us an opportunity, we've got to do three things, folks. When they come having a or we've got to be patient. We've got to be patient with them. We're not going to say, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to be patient. We've got to be loved, but we've got to speak the truth. Those three things. And the UK must turn back to God. That's non-negotiable. Mm. And I believe that God is going to use one of two nations, or one of two bodies, to bring this nation back into alignment. Here's an unpopular thing. God is going to either use the European Union, to bring judgment on us. Or he will use the Muslim people in this country as a Trojan horse to bring judgment. That's a common thought out there. I don't subscribe to it. I don't subscribe that, that the Muslims are going to be rising up when we have Shari law. I don't subscribe to that. This is what I subscribe to. A movement of God is going to completely radicalise these Muslims. It's going to completely radicalise them. And they're going to swap the belt of explosives for the belt of truth. Mm. And then they're going to have this belt of truth around them. And they're going to go to Pakistan. Not to train in war. But that God is training them to go into these places and to evangelise them. Do you know what? Many will be martyred. Many will get the true, glorious martyrs crown. Not the thousand virgins, as they're told. Mm-hmm. But God's going to have a moving on amongst Muslims like never before. And we're at the crossroads of making a decision. I'm going to get political. Mm-hmm. Making a decision to be in Europe or out of Europe. I'm voting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's my I don't. I'm out of Europe. And I don't particularly like the you know, UKIP... You know, once they're out, they've got no real policies that will stand up for education or, or in this country, but I agree with them, we should be out of our Europe they'll get my votes to get us out of Europe totally, because I don't, I don't trust Cameron, I don't trust all of these political parties you know, who've said, we'll give you the votes and then saying no, we'll, we'll give it to you next year we'll give it to you next year and all the time, we're going to be bringing judgment from Brussels on this nation we're opening up the doors to it. Mm-hmm. And then we have an opportunity from God to close that door. God can look after us as long as we align ourselves with Israel. <laughs> we have got to align ourselves. Swap one thing that I believe is demonic in its whole setup. It's a whole setup for the Antichrist. So the Lord's United Nations is a total setup for the, for the Antichrist to step onto the political, uh, platform. But he'll use the European Union. See, what we're doing here is we're pushing God aside and pushing the laws that make sin okay in this land. Enough's enough. Sinner. I'll tell you who's going to win this argument. God is. He's going to win it. And I believe that we're speaking, I'm speaking to Daniels in this place. Whoever's hearing my voice, God has said, I'm speaking to Daniels. That we're going to be the salt in this earth and light. We're the ones that will hold that judgment. And we're the ones that will usher in revival. I'm absolutely telling you, but revival can't stop there. It's got to go an apostolic reformation. We've got to start reforming societies That's we know. Right. It. We've got to start bringing the seven mountains that the devil has established in, in the very society that we see, that we've got to bring it crumbling down. And then we've got to establish it and bring God's Kingdom. Kingdom in. Everything that we build must be built on the foundation that was set, which is Christ Jesus. God. To See, it says in Romans 8, I'm finishing soon, Romans 8, the expectant, the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaiting for the revealing of the sons of God, the fully mature, the Helios, the fully mature manifestation of God on earth through us. That creation is crying for that. Creation is crying. If you look at Africa, I'm born in Africa. I, I, I know what it was like, you know, growing up in Africa to step on the plains and see hundreds and hundreds of elephants and buffalo and all the wildlife there. And if I go, battle is hardly any there. Why? Because they've been shot to satisfy some Eastern man that wants to ground that that... that beautiful tusk. And they're hacking it out of things that are barely dead. It's sickening. And do you think God, God, from that verse is going to allow that to happen? No more. No more. No more. And then Romans 8 verse 22 it says, and for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Not only that we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grow within us. How many people feel like just grow Something in you just wants to well up and come out. Like Heidi was saying, we've got to come out with a new song. It's in there. It's in there. And we've got to groan with this. As we ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our bodies. We've got to enter into this groan and this desperation. Mm. But isn't it fantastic we've got a helper? Yes. A helper in verse 20, 26 of, of Romans <coughs> 8, likewise the spirit who also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray as we all. Because this, the Holy Spirit gets alongside us, he presents it, and he groans with us and makes it presentable to God. And if you don't think that God is going to do this through us, then you may not be in the right place. Mm. Because folks, it says in Revelations 18, it says, and saying, Alas, Alas, that great city. talking about Babylon. That was clothed in fine linen, purple, and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. We'll see that in Daniel 5. All this is going to come to nothing. Listen to this, this is how big Babylon was. Every shipmaster who all who travel by ship, sailors, and who made trade on the seas, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of their burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city, in which all who have ships of the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she was made desolate. Folks, that is prophetic utterance, not just for Babylon, but for every city in this world. Every city in this world is going to be shaken, And what is of God will remain. What isn't of God will completely come down. And I'm speaking to churches. See, it's mentioned some... i I went to the King James and it's mentioned the word city 777 times in the Bible. Now, we know seven has an incredible... Significance. I believe we're at the point of every city coming to completeness. And they're going to fall either under revival or judgment, or both that will usher in the judgment forth, it will usher in this revival. And we know that seven is an important number, especially in the book of Revelation. Seven trumpets, seven spirits, seven lamps, seven churches, seven angels, seven seals, seven lampstands, seven heads, seven horns, seven thunders, seven kings, seven eyes, seven stars, seven golden cups, and seven mountains. And there are many, many, many more. But I'll tell you what this will do when we come into completeness. We will usher in the 1000 year rain of Christ on earth. If you think when all this is over, the church are waiting to be raptured up. Oh, I almost swore there. I almost swore. Thank you, Holy Spirit. What a load of baloney. What an absolute load of baloney. If you think we're going to be raptured out, mid-trip, post-trip, I don't believe it. Now, you can have your own, that's fine. I'm just saying, I'm a, I'm a complete post-trip. Because I believe we're going to be like Noah's. We're going to go through the storm. We're going to go through the storm. And if you think that, that the devil can knock on the, on the on the very gates of God and say, hang on a second, you took them out before I can have my time with them. But the Bible's very clear. We're going to go through, or some of us are going to go through great tribulation. A great tribulation. Not tribulation. The first war was tribulation. The second war was tribulation. We've had tribulation upon this earth ever since Jesus left us. There's been tribulation, but there's a great tribulation. Coming on. we will not suffer the wrath of God that's going to be pulled out onto the antichrist system that's going to be established in the next two years you are going to see the devil walk on to a political scene and he will bring in three, he will make a treaty with Israel they will say you build on this, you build on that you'll share the Temple Mount for three and a half years and then what does he do? he turns the treaty. so we're going to have peace what would seem peace for three and a half years, folks, is that, do you think God will take us out when there's peace being declared upon the land for three and a half years? I think not. Things will get harder, but God won't take us out mid-trip. He will not take us out post-pre-trip. He will take us out at the very end, when the wrath of God falls out on this earth. He will take us right out. because we're going to rule and reign with Him. And I believe the thousand-year reign. I had a great man of God who I respect and I still love But he laughed at me. He laughed at me when I said this. And I said it in front of my wife, sat at the dinner table. I said, do you know what the thousand-year reign is all about? It's about the honeymoon period of his bride. Ruling and reigning with him. With a rod of eye. And bringing back the establishments of God on earth as it is in heaven. It's going to be such a glorious glorious time. Folks, it's worth dying for. This whole thing is worth dying for. And I just want to come to something, folks, and I'm finishing. Mm -hmm. We know from Revelation 21 there was going to be a new Jerusalem. We know that. But God is going to dwell in his people before he comes back for his people. He is totally going to dwell in us. That's the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles of God coming to His and in His people before He comes for His people. And I believe that you're going to see a remnant of people because God always works in remnants, that will be not you up but be caught up like Paul was. Will be caught up to the throne of God. Will be given things and secrets and inspirations and inventions and music and all of these things because the 144 come down what with? A new song. That's never been heard. That is not talking about the 12 tribes of Israel. They will have the attributes of the 12 tribes of Israel. But there's going to be a body of people that are going to come down from the heavenly realms and bring this on earth. And they will walk through the Antichrist system and they will not be seen. They will preach to thousands upon thousands and when when the police come to to, to get us of the army in the last three and a half years we'll be raptured out. We'll be crossing the side of the city. You know, this is all coming to us. We will walk through walls. We will walk through crowds and not be seen. This is going to be the most glorious time ever, ever seen for the church. This is our greatest hour, as Amen. Churchill said, yeah. upon this nation. And I'm saying equally now, this is our greatest hour. Mm. This is our greatest hour. And we, 2 Corinthians 5 seven, we can't do this unless we walk by faith and not by sight. We can't do it, folks. If you don't believe this is going to happen, then it's not going to happen to you. But I intend and I contend that this is going to happen. Hebrews 11.1 1, Thou faith is to of things hoped for, but yet not seen. I see this so far down the road. I see I'm into the thousand year reign of Christ. I see what we've got to do and establish an apostolic movement in this church. It's going to happen. I see it. I see it in the spirit, but I don't see it here. Yes, but it's coming. It's coming. God spoke to me a week ago where he woke me up and I heard the voice say, Adam, why then? he sit there? I don't know. My name's Andy. Adam, through you I've heard the rivers of revival. Now I've heard that voice. He told me I was going to marry my wife and I married her. I heard the same voice say to me, your wife's pregnant, and he came back and she was pregnant. I had another encounter saying there was going to be a boy and there was a boy. When everybody said, oh, it's 50-50 years, and I said, no, I see it in the spirits. We've got to be in that spirit more than we've got to be in this. Yes. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to do all of this without faith. And you've got to have faith. The faith in you that God has given to you, He is going to be a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And in Romans 12, verse 3. God has dealt with us one measure of faith. And we've got to do three things, folks. This is the first thing with the measure of faith that we've got. I believe God. You've got to start thinking. I believe God that you're going to do this. I believe that You're going to absolutely have revival through me and in me. Lord, are to get my hands and get all the things that I need to get out of us. Give, give me the, the fruits of the Spirit. I'll let my character stand up. But Lord, I'm going to take you first. You've got to think it. So, That's number one. The second one thing is you've got to speak it. You've got to speak it out there. You've got to speak it into the the spirit realm and into the physical, and then you've got to walk it. You've got to walk it as if it's to happen. I see maybe 25, 30 people in here, but I'll tell you what, there's going to be 30,000 knocking on those doors coming in every night. (laughs) Revival's going to be on these streets. Why? We've seen it. We've seen it. I've been taken by the spirit. I'll put it up above Sheffield. I've seen blue lines from the M1, all signposted, revival this way. And the signs have been pulled out, revival, coming up the A61, revival this way, revival this way. God's about to do something. And folks, people can think we're boasting. No, I'm boasting in a good God. I'm boasting in a high God. I'm boasting in a God that can do the impossible. I'm boasting in Him because there's nothing of me, it's everything of Him. Because when this happens, the Bible says that this God is about to do something new in us so that no one can boast. Mm, yeah. He's about to do it on us. Um, yeah. Here's some facts about faith. And literally, this is it. Faith is like having a direct mind to God. As a prayer of faith goes up, his, bow, his power from on high flows down. That's faith. Just by me saying this. Do you know why I'm not saying it for your benefit? I'm saying it for the spirit realm. I'm pronouncing this. I'm, not, I'm declaring this. I'm not prophesying. I'm declaring this into the spirit realm. This is happening. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Faith is never final as long as your faith never fails. i repeat that. Failure is never final as long as your faith doesn't fail. There's no failure in God. You may have to sit the same exam a couple of times, but there's no failure. There are obstacles in our lives they can only be removed by faith. And I'll tell you something. You don't need the trouble over faith. You just have to tell it to go. And then walk it out. As Michelle said, walk it out for 21 days. Get out of my way. In faith, get out. In faith, get out. I'll tell you what I don't like about Alcoholics Anonymous. I think they do a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic job. But they haven't got the force of it. They say that you they say you've got to walk out how I many steps is it, 12 steps or slip 12 steps, but they say once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I rebuke that now, and Jesus. Yeah. God can set free an alcoholic, they will never yeah. go back to alcohol. Mm-hmm. They'll never want to slip it, they'll never want to taste it, they'll never want to go near it. And that's the Spirit of God completely delivering it. Mm-hmm. That they don't have to live in fear that if I take a slip or a sip, I'm going to be an alcoholic again. God can set you free from Whatever addiction it is. Last one. It is not so much the size of your faith, but the quality. The quality of your faith. That determines your success. When we prayed, Tony. Tony? Yes. Tony. For his heart. I I didn't know that. God showed me the same old time I didn't know. I didn't hear anybody say anything. But I know there's something on the top. And that's like in the Arabia, People can't find out what the matter is. But I know in faith, because God has shown me that he's going to be healed. Yeah. That's my faith. Not depending on Tony. It's my faith. When you pray for a non-Christian, it's not depending on their faith. It's depending on your faith. But when they're healed, you can go back to and say, my God has healed you. You need to be silent to the Lord now. Or he will remove it. I, this is why we pray for every service on the Sunday for miracles to break out. Not so that we can boast, but we can give Him the glory. Because we see a second dying church. Too many people are, you know, we know, who died, they shouldn't die. We're going to go and look next week. Folks, do not miss next week. I implore you. We're going to see what the writing means and how, how Daniel has walked in, invited back to the party in a time of trouble Come straight back in, and in, a, in a second, knows exactly what the writing means, how we'll look at that. But more significant, what is it being for us today. So Father, I pray now, Lord, you've given me a message, Father, about faith. And Lord, about you know, judgment coming on this nation. But Lord, I pray now, in faith, mm. let your Spirit flow through us mm. and in us. And Father, let revival start breaking out from this place. And Lord, as we know, I see a, 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 a picture of a stream, a trickle coming out, out of these, from this place, out of those doors. It's like a stream. And then the stream becomes a river, then the river becomes a torrent. And that's how the Lord's going to do it. But at the moment, it's a trickle of rain from heaven, from the heaven realms. So Father, we see that. Lord, I pray now, just prepare us prepare us That's for what right. you're about to do prepare this people and anybody here in my voice prepare us for it because mm. it says the bride makes herself ready yeah true Lord we're, pre- we're in preparation but you're about to do it you're about to bring revival Lord I pray give us wisdom in this place yeah. through the leadership to know how to steward this and not let lose it And Lord, I just pray now, let us all have a quality of faith. That we move into the things that we have not seen. And we start acting as if they're here. I pray that now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.